Hello and welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. I'm your host, Claire Bowne of Thinking Museum, and this is episode 82. So today I'm talking about one of the eight practices of the VTM approach, slow looking. I'm sharing why you need to make the space and time for slow looking, and then sharing some ways you can do that, even in the busiest of programs. Now, before that, last week, I shared seven different ways you might think about refreshing your practice for 2023. So do go back and get inspired for the coming year and listen to episode 81 if you haven't yet. Loads of ideas there for you to implement straight away. And as always, if you like this show and you'd love to support it, you can do so on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire Bown. I'll put a link in the show notes. Now, let's get on with today's show. So I'm talking today about making space and time for slow looking. All too often, I hear museum guys, museum docents talking about how they don't have time in their tours, be it a 60 minute tour or a 90 minute tour, to incorporate any slow looking. So I'm here to tell you today that you certainly can incorporate slow looking into any type of program, whether it's 15 minutes, an hour or three hours, and that it's essential. So I'm going to share three reasons why you need to make this time and space for slow looking. And then I'll be sharing some suggestions for how you can do that. So even in the busiest of highlights tours, you can incorporate some slow looking. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I've been practicing the art of slow looking for a long time now, the last 11, 12 years. And it's very much a personal practice and also something that I use with groups of all ages, with a variety of objects, artworks, situations and places. Now, I was using the term slow looking in 2011 when it was pretty much unheard of. My first read on the subject was David Perkins' excellent book called The Intelligent Eye. It's from 1994. And in this book, he doesn't even use the term slow looking, but he does advocate strongly for giving looking time. And he has a whole chapter about this. And in this chapter, he warns against what he calls audience impressionism. And that's looking at paintings for only a few seconds. He calls people who do this in museums and galleries wall cruisers. Now, he does say that a certain amount of impressionism is fine. He says that if you looked at everything at length, it would be tedious. But unfortunately, most viewers don't get around to looking for any length of time. And he says that if we are striving towards these richer experiences with art, we really need to slow the looking down. 
Then in 2012, I read a book by Peter Clothier called Slow Looking. And in his book, he describes and elaborates on his one hour, one painting sessions. And this is an idea he developed to to practice a different, more profound and rewarding way of looking at art. And in these sessions, he uses uh, meditation, contemplation, and he asks his participants to sit for a full hour in front of an artwork. He says, slow looking and one hour, one painting are about learning to drop the baggage of prejudice and expectation at the door and taking time to really examine what is actually there. And his ideas really struck a chord. Even though I personally don't work with any meditative or contemplative techniques as such, I wanted to explore how I could create engaging sessions doing some slow looking with artworks too. And I firmly believe that slow looking is the key to engagement. And that's precisely why it's at the heart of the VTM approach that I've developed. Not only is it one of the eight practices, it's also one of the foundations of the method, along with shared visual inquiry and personal discovery. And these three foundations are the building blocks for engagement. It's when you put slow looking shared visual inquiry and personal discovery together in your programs that you can create wonderful engaging experiences with art and objects. But today I want to bust a few myths about slow looking here too. So for example, you can look as long as you like. So slow looking has a bit of a reputation that it needs to be one hour, one painting, but it can also be one minute of focused looking and wondering. And it doesn't have to include meditation and mindfulness techniques. It can, but it doesn't have to. In fact, if you look at some of the broader definitions of slow looking, such as how Shari Tishman defines it in her book, from 2017, she defines it as a mode of learning, a means of gaining knowledge through observation. And I firmly believe that slow looking can take place anywhere as well. It doesn't have to be in a gallery. You can make it part of your daily life. In episode seven, I talked about cultivating a daily slow looking practice and it can take place in a classroom and yes in a museum too. And another myth, slow looking doesn't have to be silent. In fact if you take a group of seven-year-olds and ask them to do some slow looking with a partner using a thinking routine it's not going to be quiet. It's not going to be silent. You're going to hear lots of chatter and excitement as they all make their thinking visible and share what they're noticing. So that's some myths busted. If you want to find out more about what slow looking really is, then do listen to episode two of this podcast because it goes into it in a lot of detail. So let's look now at the three main reasons, there are many others, why it's important to make space and time for slow looking. First, it creates focus. Secondly, 
it activates participation. And lastly, it fires up curiosity. So let's look at each of these in turn. So the first one creates focus. So way back in the mists of time in 2011, my first forays into slow looking, we had participants very young, as young as six, looking intently at objects and art in the museum for 15 to 20 minutes at a time. They had arrived at the museum as any six-year-olds would, full of energy, excitement, and a desire to see everything. Yet, when we started slow looking at the objects, the group had complete focus on what was in front of them. Similarly, with adults, we live in this age of distraction and we've really forgotten what it's like to look at something. And people have more things to focus on now, but often focus on things for short periods of time. Everything seems to get faster and faster. So slow looking is this wonderful alternative to life in the fast lane. And it offers us all a chance to focus for longer. Okay, the second reason is that it activates participation. So studies have shown that if participants are not actively involved in the first 10 minutes of a program, they start to tune out. People realize that their participation is irrelevant or insignificant. So slow looking for me, is a really inclusive way of encouraging participation right from the start. It offers what I like to call a level playing field on which to start a discussion. Everyone can take part and no prior knowledge is required. And the last reason, fires up curiosity. So curiosity, it's that magical ingredient that can turn something that's quite hum humdrum into a memorable moment. And looking at something slowly and carefully is a really rewarding process. We know the more you look, the more you see, the more interesting something becomes. And through looking for longer, participants offer interpretations, they ask questions, they wonder out loud. We reason together, we put forward new ideas and respond to and build on the ideas of others. And this slow looking fires up that curiosity to keep exploring and discovering. So, there are just three main reasons there why you should incorporate slow looking into your programs. But how can you incorporate it into your guided tours, your educational programs, your online sessions? So here are some suggestions for you. So firstly, remember one rule. Every discussion starts with looking. So at the start of every artwork or object discussion, you need to allow time for your participants to look. Make this the very first thing that you do. All too often, I observe museum guides and educators arriving at a stop at an artwork and then starting immediately to talk 
They may start describing the artwork for the group. They may leap in with some information straight away. Stop. Allow your group to look at what's in front of them. Give them some time for looking. This can be 10, 20 seconds or longer. And secondly, this period of looking, it can be silent, but it doesn't have to be. You could actually guide your group through the process, helping, helping them to discover things. Maybe you want to mention things that they might want to look out for. You could ask them to notice the colours, the shapes, the lines, or to look at the figures, the foreground, the background. You can guide them to notice things that you want them to focus on particularly. And this works incredibly well if it's a large or detailed object or artwork too. Now, in my guide, How to Look at Art Slowly, I've got 30 different ways, well, more than 30 different ways that you can approach looking at art in this way. And there are four different categories. So static looking, movement, observation by drawing, and also writing. I'll put a link to the guide in the show notes, but it just shows you that there are so many different ways that you can incorporate this looking. And all of these activities can be done individually, in pairs, in small groups, or as one big, large group. You don't have to do it the same way at every stop. And in fact, I encourage you, implore you even, to work in a variety of different ways to encourage looking and to be creative. So next, you want to build up a description of what you're looking at. So you've observed, you've spent some time looking, now you want to describe what you've seen. And you can use a thinking routine for this. You might want to download my free resource on thinking routines for observation, or perhaps use one of Shari Tishman's four strategies, categories, open inventory, scale and scope, or juxtaposition. And the describing is really important. It helps everyone in the group see all the details. And as we've already mentioned, it fires up that curiosity. And what about groups that are keen to skip this step and jump straight in with the interpreting? So this happens all the time. People who don't quite see the point of why we're observing why we're describing and it's usually with adults actually adults who are trained out of the art of observing so here are some suggestions perhaps you could ask everyone to take a step back and to say what they see not what they think at this point or maybe suggest that they are looking at a crime scene and they need to record all the details for a report or you might say that they're describing what they're looking at to someone on the phone. How might they describe it so that the person listening can imagine it fully? Sometimes I talk about building a full inventory of the image. And at other times I might say why we're doing this, why we're observing, why we're describing. And it really helps participants to understand this step. So I might mention perhaps that observing and describe, 
asking allows us to move beyond hasty interpretations and snap judgments. And it also gives us time to see the whole image before we start thinking about what it might mean. And finally, even if you're pushed for time, you can still devote a minute to this. Set a timer and ask everyone to focus fully on the object or artwork for one minute. They then have to turn away and tell you everything they saw. Or perhaps you could make two teams and see who can write down the most things that they noticed. These suggestions help to save time, but they also make the slow looking focused and fun. So slow looking has played such a pivotal role in the most engaging discussions that I've led with groups over the last few years. And if you're not making space and time for slow looking, then you're really missing a trick. It's a wonderful way to create focus, activate participation, and fire up curiosity. I hope I've convinced you to make it a fundamental part of all your programs. There are so many, many benefits to including it. You'll help your participants to notice more and you'll notice more too. You'll see details that you've never even seen before. You'll be helping everyone in the group to improve their observation skills and their ability to pay attention to details. It also helps us to improve our ability to describe things and use descriptive language. And there are many educational benefits to slow looking too. It helps us to understand complex things, to build connections and to see from multiple perspectives. Plus, there's the well-being element. Slow looking is good for you and for your participants. Taking a moment to pause on your tours in your programs, it helps you to gather your thoughts refresh your brain and to restore your energy. And I think for everyone, they'll benefit from a lowering of stress levels too. Finally, everyone can take part. It's inclusive and participatory. You don't need to know anything about what you're looking at to do this. And you're encouraging all of your participants to do this in their own time, having that confidence to visit a museum themselves and to understand an object by themselves. So what's not to like? So I hope I've convinced you to make the space and time for slow looking and to make it a fundamental part of all your programs. That's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Before I go, don't forget my resource, How to Look at Art Slowly. This is the one sharing 30 different ways to look at art or objects in museums. And it's a guide for anyone, anyone who's looking for new ways to engage with what they're seeing, whether they're on their own, with friends or family, or working with groups. Thank you for listening today. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.